Clark Elman of asacredjourney.net. I'm a spiritual director, facilitator, and guide, and you're listening to Pilgrim Podcast, a show exploring spirituality and intention in travels and daily life and what it means to live like a pilgrim at home and abroad. Looking for inspiration for the journey? This episode is brought to you by Journey Shop, where I sell handmade and designed resources to inspire your journeys at home and abroad. The Journey Shop is filled with tools for spiritual practice, including my popular liturgical wall calendar, wearable prayer beads, compass cues reflection cards, and more. Your Journey Shop purchase helps support Pilgrim Podcast and the work of A Sacred Journey. Visit the Journey Shop at asacredjourney.net. Today we have with us Casey Hitt, who is a spiritual director, retreat leader, facilitator, and Reiki therapist living just outside of Nashville, Tennessee. And a lot of her work is around dream work. So I'm looking forward to seeing how she will guide us today. Hi, Lacey. Thanks for coming, Casey. Oh, thanks for having me. This is going to be fun. Yeah, I'm so excited. And I was saying to you before, I've, I've got my pajamas on still, so I'm ready for some dream work. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. And we've had such good conversations in the past about dream work, so I'm excited to see where this goes. Well, tell me a bit first about your spiritual journey and what led you to where you are today and to this work. I'd love to. I'm going to use the language of metaphor because that's the language of, of dreams, of symbol and metaphor. And so my spiritual journey reminds me of a sunrise, a gradual learning to become aware of and pay attention to God's presence and invitations, Mm. especially paying attention and valuing the natural ways that the wisdom of God flows and is available to me. And dreams are one of those ways. You know, as the sun rises, slowly more and more is illuminated. And so This actually was not something I learned growing up in the church, although I'm appreciative of what my church offered me. In regard to wisdom, the overall feeling I picked up on was I couldn't trust what originated within me. And, you know, again, Mm -hmm. dreams would be part of this. So like any obedient oldest kid and rule follower, I followed the cues (laughs) of authority. You know, I stuck to what they told Mm -hmm. me to do. Uh, it all enga- it was engaging more of the the mind and and um, what was rational, and I tried to do all of that right, uh, which in the end failed miserably. Uh, while that was happening, though, I was able to maintain an experiential mystical connection with God through listening to music and and especially with nature. But hmm. I had no idea dreams had any significance, let alone spiritual significance. You know, looking back now, I wish someone had told me because my dreams were trying to keep me out of entering into a bad relationship in college. And unfortunately, I didn't heed them. Mm. So, you know, it it wasn't until a 2002 seminar at the United Methodist Church where I was a youth pastor that a guest speaker came to talk about prayer. And he mentioned dreams and visions as ways that God still speaks to us today. And, you know, even as I was considering, um, you know, looking back at that, during that time, the name and even the logo of the youth ministry, The Deep End, had come from a nighttime dream of mine. But to hear him speak, it was like a light came on and another piece of my soul was being integrated into my life. That started the road to it, I believe. 
And then at the Seattle school, which was Mars Hill when I went there, uh, I got my MDiv and certificate in spiritual direction and took a class on dream work. I don't know if they had that class when you were there, but that really needed again. Did they not have it? No, I'm going to tell them right after we're done recording. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. It was a wonderful class. And it excited me because Mm. it started offering me tools to work with dreams personally, but also in a group setting, because I knew nothing of group dream work. And so that was a wonderful introduction for me to, to dream work, you know, and then I was craving more. So when I moved to Nashville uh, 10 years ago, I met Laura Heilman, who's a spiritual director and a dream worker who'd been certified in dream work through the Hayden Institute in North Carolina. And since she had gone even deeper into working with dreams, I joined a dream group she was facilitating. And for a season, anything she offered, I did. And she became my go-to mm. person with dream questions. I'd call her up yeah. if I was stuck or, mm-hmm. or didn't know what to do. And as I look back at that, you know, all of the things that she taught me, there's a memorable piece of advice that she gave that I want to pass on. um, And that is this, trust the dream. And, Mm. and what I mean by that is you have everything you need. You don't need to study dream theory or read a bunch of books on dreams or go get certified in dream work. I mean, it's fine if you do, but it's not necessary to receiving the wisdom God has for you in your dreams. Mm-hmm. Well, I'd love to go back to and talk about that time, those formative years, because I know in the Bible, uh, dreams are used as um, messages, you know, ways of transmitting messages for God. Um, so it's interesting to be brought up in a tradition where you see it on the page and yet it's not talked about. I wonder... Um, If you encounter that, you know, the hesitancy, even though people have read it all their life on the page, to believe that it's a possible thing that could happen to and for them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, when, when I point out to folks that dreams are A, if not the, that dreams and visions are the primary way that God was speaking to the biblical people. And then I mentioned that I believe that's still true today. One reason is because our culture is so busy that perhaps nighttime is the only time that God can get a word in edgewise. I'd believe that. (laughs) Then they're more apt to pay attention to the dream, to a dream that they've had. And once they've Mm -hmm. entered into dream work and experience it, it's hard for them to ever go back to the to believing that they don't yeah. have significance. And so mm-hmm. and so you're right. Mm-hmm. It's rather than thinking it's something that only happened long ago in biblical times, to just present the possibility that it's still happening and just encouraging people to mm-hmm. pay attention to what might that message be. Yeah. What might be happening there. And then once they taste it, they want more. Well, what would you say um, dreams are then and how they are connected to waking life? I know you're talking about them being messages. Um, What are they made up of uh, before we go to sleep? 
How does that feed into our dreams? And when we wake up, how do our dreams speak into our life, so to, so to speak? Right. So I think dreams are, and sometimes I refer to dreams as nighttime parables. And mm. God has, has wired us in a way that even at night, the Spirit of God is at work. Um, we could say that when we prepare to go to, to sleep, well, let me go back to a story. Um, there was a woman that was in a dream work group of mine, and she had just wild dreams, lots of action, um, even violence. And she was left exhausted in the morning because the dreams were so intense. Uh-huh. And so the first thing I asked her is, what are you watching before you go to bed? And her dreams were reflecting mm-hmm. what she had been watching and using that material to shape the parable for her. So sometimes dreams oh, use, use the material that we introduce to our psyches to say, well, since she's familiar mm-hmm. with this, I'm going to use this and this and this. And it creates a parable for us out of those things. Wow. Now, sometimes it may mm-hmm. use, um, sometimes what may be used is archetypal symbol or symbols that are recurring through cultures and um, generations. And so we may have parts of those making up our dreams. And so this comes from, where is this coming from? Um, some people say it's a higher self, you know, the, yeah. the, the higher kingdom from God, um, from the divine, from what is unconscious, so, or from, from the mystery of what we do not consciously know. And so mm-hmm. it, well, and it seems like something that is wired to push through. Yes. That's trying to find its way to yes. you. Yes. And so uh, it's almost like a little window for us. Mm-hmm. And so uh, to go back to the, the parable, every part of a dream, most likely in, in most circumstances, not always, because there are different possibilities for dreams. But usually I find that every part of a dream is part of the dreamer to communicate that story. And that Mm -hmm. if we walk away from that Mm -hmm. dream, especially a nightmare, which we're apt to do, or just write it off as like a, the burrito that we had too late at night. You know, if we do that, I find that equivalent to those who walked away scratching their heads after hearing Jesus's parables. You know, what was that? What in the world was he talking Mm -hmm. about? Uh, Rather than, allowing themselves to play with, to be disturbed by, to rec, you know, to reflect on that metaphorical story, which the soul recognizes metaphor. That's the language mm. of the soul. And if we can allow ourselves yeah. to rest with it, if you will, we can be led to a, a greater awareness of, of a truth being conveyed or to whole new levels of growth. We can be led out of perceived stuckness or even receive healing or instruction. And so whether the dream is a pleasant dream or a nightmare or a repetitive dream or something simple, I believe that all dreams come in service of healing and wholeness. 
though they may not have the same weight, they may not have the same importance, they're still beneficial. So they're parts of us, um, how God has wired things to bring healing, to continue to, to draw us into wholeness. What are some dreams maybe of yours or of those you've worked with um, that have had that impact that have led toward healing and wholeness? Well, in ways that might not have been encountered otherwise. Absolutely. Let's see. Two come to mind. One is, is that, first off, let me say this, in the dream world, all rules are off. You know, what is proper, what is moral, what is possible? I mean, anything can happen, even, you know, what's fantastical. And so once we understand this, we don't have to feel badly when immoral things are are shown to us in a dream. So I once had a woman say to me, I keep dreaming about having an affair with my neighbor. And I feel awful about this. I love my husband and I can't even look my neighbor in the face now. She asked, are my dreams predicting that I'm going to have an affair even if I don't want to do it? And so I, first off, I was thankful that she had the courage to share this embarrassing recurring dream. And then once she was able to see the dream as metaphor, she discovered a very different message. You know, to her surprise, the dream was actually telling her about her unhealthy affair with food, of all things. So she discovered that she was going to food for intimacy. And that insight actually led her to seek counseling for her food addiction. And, of course, she felt enormous relief to know that she wasn't about to cheat on her husband. And so that's an example of the power of the dream and how that could have weighed on her if she would have kept thinking of that literally as I'm about to have an affair or I secretly want to have an affair and I'm not even, you know, part of me wants to have an affair with this neighbor. And so once she shifted her view to the metaphor, to metaphoric language, then she was able to receive the wisdom of it. And what happens with repetitive dreams, when you receive the wisdom, it stopped. So she no longer had that dream. Wow. Hmm. Hmm. You know, in my own life, I found that dreams are truth tellers. I can play mind games with myself. I can rationalize things and I can do it with spiritual sounding language. But like my physical body, my nighttime dreams won't join in. They're always going to tell me the truth. And so I actually, I burned out as a youth pastor. And one reason is that I have a tendency toward workaholism and overcommitment. So after a while paying attention to my dreams, I started noticing I have a particular kind of dream and a dream symbol that shows up when I'm doing too much. And it's some variation. Hmm of being out in public and needing to use the bathroom and I'm searching and searching to. to oh, I have, I've got it? that too. And I probably overcommit as well. I wonder <laughs> if that's connected. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. I'm searching, searching, I'm trying to find a bathroom. And when I do find it, it's overflowing and gross. So I'm unable to use it. And mm. so it took me a while mm-hmm. um, to realize to connect the dots as to when this dream and dream symbol was showing up and given the setting is it's out in public. It's letting me know that it has to do with the collective, the public side of my life. 
and that I'm overwhelmed with lots of, you know, for lack mm-hmm. of a better word, crap, or dealing with other people's crap, and I need to relieve myself emotionally, uh-huh. physically. And so the dream's saying, you're not going to, you're not going to be able to do yeah. that out in public. It's time to come home and let go. It's you need to give it all a good flush. <laughs> wow. Well, and what would you say too? Um, I think that probably speaks to the archetypal piece that that I mean, quite similar to a, many dreams I've had. Um, and you know, you we wouldn't sit awake come coming up with this idea <laughs> or right. metaphor. Um, and yet, it's common between the two of us, and I'm sure many others, just like forgetting your lines in a play or turning in That's an right. assignment. That's or, right. You know. So there are there are common uh, dream symbols. Uh, again, we can call those archetypal that are uh, well known in our culture. I doubt that it would probably take different uh, a different um, look in other cultures, mm-hmm. right? Um, but there are there are common expressions and and symbols. However, I would always and I hold that loosely. Like when I'm listening to a dream that someone's sharing. Yeah. I hold the archetypal meaning loosely rather than automatically introducing that to the dreamer because there may be a significance of an object or a symbol or a setting in a dream that has personal significance. And I don't want to to put a definition on it that um that may not be helpful. You know, so for instance, I just met with someone recently where they had a a cat show up in their dream and they were sharing this in a class and the teacher said, told her that the cat stood for unholy attachments. Hmm. Well, that didn't feel good to her, but she assumed that since it's the teacher. Yeah. And that just said it in the book somewhere or something like that. Right. Right. Well, and two, that goes back, what, to medieval ages when cats started to be demonized. And so there was a, there was a, mm, um, mm. a sense in the collective, in the herd, of, um, of labeling cats a certain way. That may not be true. And so I, I asked her, I stopped her and said, what did you, what did you think or feel about that teacher's description of the cat. And she said, actually, I had resistance to that. And I said, I want to affirm your resistance to it. What does a cat symbolize to you? When you think of a cat, what do what do you think of? And she said, I think of security and something that makes me feel comforted. And I said, okay, so take your experience of a cat and put it in the dream and see where it's going. And it led to a much healthier place. And the dream made a lot more sense with the dreamer's interpretation of that. Wow. And so an important thing to keep in mind is that the dreamer is the only one who can best interpret the dream. So sometimes people come to me and say, I've heard you interpret dreams. Yeah. And I say, no, I don't interpret dreams, you know, but I sit with <laughs> you and with God and, mm. and uh, together you will come to the, 
to what you need to hear. But again, if we go back to parable, mm. there are multiple layers of meaning to most dreams. So we don't have to get hung up on, oh, I got to find the mm. right mm-hmm. one meaning. That they're actually, you can sit with a dream for years and come back to it just like you can any of Jesus's parables. Yeah. And get something new out of it and deeper. So, um, Hmm. so yes, the dreamer is the best person to interpret the dream. Yeah. And have there been any times too, whenever it was that, that archetypal symbol has been helpful as you've listened? I kind of get what you're saying, you know, as, as the listener, you're kind of withholding it a bit, but kind of to the side wondering, oh, when Absolutely. does it line up or does it line up? Um, whereas if the, the if the person having a dream knew of that symbol, they might just say, huh, this, this exists. Does it match? And like your right, client right. said, no, no, it doesn't match. Have there been times yes. when it has matched yes, or even yes. like 50% and, match? And again, I may share something with them. And, and as you alluded to, of letting them, letting their own internal aha or resistance lead. So here's a, here's an example of it Mm, matching mm -hmm. is a person had a dream where an old woman was part of it. Well, archetypal wise, old men and old women showing up in your dream usually symbolize the wisdom part of ourselves. You know, a, a guide, if you will, someone who has grown old with experience, who knows something deep. And so I just simply presented that to a person and said, you know, um, in most cultures, when a, it's, it's known that when an old person shows up in your dream, it could mean this. And she had a joyful aha. Hmm. And it, it certainly spoke to, was kind of the key to unlock that dream is when she saw it symbolizing what it it yeah. often symbolizes in the in the collective. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes dreams can be literal. Um, mm. While I believe that most of them are parables, there are other possibilities for dreams that people have that I have experienced personally and that I've listened to or read about. You know, for instance, um, a dream may be walking us through, giving us literal instruction, just as it did St. Joseph, you know, Mm. uh, Jesus's foster father, the new Testament. I mean, he's one of my favorite biblical dreamers. I love how he trusted the instructions of that God gave him through his dreams, you know, that Mm -hmm. he would, that he would flee the country in the middle of the night because of the wisdom of a dream that came through a dream. I mean, that, illustrates a huge point for us is that it's not, this isn't simply a curiosity or a fun parlor game. I mean, it can be, Mm. but then we lose the meaning of wisdom, which is taking what's revealed or now known and acting on it or Mm. integrating it into our waking life. And so it can be very literal. Like, you know, like I had a literal dream one time I had an Ikea desk that had sat in our attic (laughs) and we needed to put it together, but we'd lost the instructions and we couldn't figure out how to do it. And it, it was just, it was just frustrating us. Mm-hmm. And we didn't know the, the name of the desk, so I couldn't even look it up. And so 
we went to bed frustrated and I was still thinking of how can I put that together? However, in the middle of the night, I had a dream that showed each piece one by one being put together. Yeah. Now, I, had, I hadn't had a dream like that. I literally, I got up right then and went in and put it together. Yeah. Wow. So that wasn't a metaphor. I mean, I was literally receiving instructions for putting together the desk. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I've, I've had things like that, too, where maybe if I've had a lot going on and I'm trying to figure something out, it, I end up figuring something out in my dream. That's right. I mean, and there, there's record of plenty of uh, scientists and musicians and artists. Um, one of the people that comes to mind was a German chemist, Kekula, that um, he described how the structure of the chemical benzene was revealed to him in two dreams. Hmm. So here we have a scientist hmm. yeah. whose discovery is coming through dreams. Mm-hmm. You know, Abraham Lincoln, he kept a dream journal, um, you know, that there, there are quite a few people. That's amazing. I know, too, that um, we've talked previously about dreams and dream work being helpful in situations of, of spiritual warfare. Could you say a bit about yes. that? Yes, sure. There's a mistaken notion that nightmares or things that look or feel demonic are literal demons. And this can be really harmful to individuals when those who are ministering to them, or even in, in conversation for that matter, ascribe to that view. So in my experience, Every I actually have had a couple of people that have come to me, actually more than two, that have come to me or, or have been sent to me, who have believed that they were possessed by a demon because of the kinds of nightmares they were having. What they didn't know and what we usually don't know is that nightmares actually, paradoxically, hold the, uh, the promise for the most healing if we will turn toward them and work with them. And so what nightmares are letting us know is that it's time to look at whatever is trying to be looked at. It's actually urgent. You need to pay attention to this. This isn't something that you want to pay attention to. This is something that you're trying hard not to pay attention to in waking life, but it's time. And for your own healing and wholeness, it's time. Now, let me just say this is that that's very different than a PTSD, a post-traumatic stress disorder nightmare, where it is real uh, traumatic events repeating themselves at nighttime. Although they have a similar message saying you need to get help with this, they're not metaphorical. They're actual scenes from, from waking life that have happened. But they're breaking into our nighttime dreams to say, this needs to be tended to. And so let me go back to the spiritual warfare aspect. A young man had gone to several pastors who prayed over him, who cast out demons. His own mother thought that he had a demon. And 
And as I listen to him, I, and I, listen, I always, one of the things I do as a spiritual director and as a dream worker is I hold open possibility. Yeah. However, I don't see in scripture where demons have entered into dreams. Mm. And I haven't seen it yet in my work as a spiritual director and a dream worker. And so as I sat with this young man, I said, I want to engage some dream work with you. And but since he was pretty young, I wanted to do that with people that he knew better than me. So I had his youth pastor and a trusted friend come. And I said, I want us to dream this dream together. And you walk into it. And of course, he was nervous. And so I had to let him know that you could take one of us with, a, with you. You can take Jesus with you. And I want you to ask this demon-looking character who they are. Mm. So you're talking about here in your, in your dream work, kind of in real life, live, not asleep, you're re-entering the dream that the images, even though you're awake, hold the significant power and they're still linked to that beneath the surface part of you, so to speak. Right, right. So you can still, you can engage that dream. That's part of dream work is mm. there's multiple ways to, to um, engage a dream. There's multiple ways. This is just one, this is one way is to enter into it and mm. face, mm-hmm. face the, um, the shadow figure, if you will, the, the part that you want, yeah. that you're running away from or scared of, or that, you know, looks disgusting or, you know, the part that you just would rather it go away, you know? So it's a dark, mm-hmm. this was a dark shadow figure and given it had so much energy and power over him and his, what was happening is he would go and be prayed over at these churches and by these pastors and he would feel at peace for a little bit of time, but the dream would continue on. So it would inevitably Mm -hmm. come back. So rather than trying to cast out something, which is what these pastors were doing, trying to cast something out, I discerned there was nothing to cast out that he actually needed to face this. Mm. And so he was uneasy about it, of course. And so through dream work, he was able to face it and realized, and it was a beautiful moment when he realized Mm. that what this demonic looking thing symbolized, what it was trying to, communicate the energy that it held was that he was never allowed to grieve or to be angry about his parents' divorce when he was a little kid. Hmm. And he had never worked through it. He'd never voiced that. And so once he realized, Hey, this was, this was coming to him saying for your health, for your healing, this is your starting place. And so we were able to get him to a therapist where he could start working through that. And again, and then I also um, had a friend of mine who's also uh, works with dreams that 
He volunteered to meet with him weekly for a while, but that dream went away because he received, he received the, the wisdom of that. And so that actually caused a shift in his whole spiritual experience to where he began to not only, um, engage his dreams, but to, um, start the journey of listening prayer. So a completely different way of being with God was initiated through that awful nightmare. Yeah. Well, and that's amazing too. It, I, it sounds like a miracle, you know, maybe a little different than the miracles we hear of Jesus doing. And yet at the same time, it's healing work that wouldn't have happened otherwise. Right, right. In fact, I mean, think of just the things that I have shared, the few dreams that I have shared. They're dealing with guilt and um, all kinds of pressure and, and suffering and things that are unhealed. So I've never thought of it that way, Lacey, but seeing it as, as a miracle, I'm going to have to give that some further thought. But I would say yes. In fact, I, I met with a pastor who... Um, a couple of days ago, who at the end of our session said, thank God for dream work. You know, thank God for dreams. <laughs> because mm, it's like mm. I knew something deep down, but I couldn't access it without this dream. And then without constantly thinking of this dream, which led me to do dream work. Mm-hmm. You know, mm. and so for her... And I'll share this because I think this is very common amongst pastors. In fact, I have another pastor who's coming tomorrow to share a dream with me. You know, when I first came to, before I get to that dream, when I first came to this church community, moved to town 10 years ago, my desire was that um, the word would get out about dream work and that people would stop me and those that I started inviting into classes and groups in between church services or have conversations out in the church parking lot about dreams. And it's totally happened. Mm -hmm. There's not a Sunday that goes by where someone, and I may not even know them, but someone has pointed them toward me. Yeah. Which is to say that you're awakening them to the healing power of their dreams as well, just to know. That's right. This is an avenue. Right. This is the way God communicates. Right. Or just being a safe person, because again, since the dream world mm. is so so strange, um, where there are no rules, there are certain dreams that can inspire a lot of shame and fear. And so to be a safe person that, you know what, I know that I can share this with them. You know, that's something that I do in my own family. Um one of the things I love in the morning is someone always asks whether it can be my 12 year old, sometimes even my seven year old will say, did anyone have a dream last night? Or I had a dream last night, <laughs> you know, so we're in the regular practice mm. of sharing dreams. And if the mm-hmm. only thing you did were, was to share dreams, that's a form of dream work where you're taking it into waking life yeah. and giving voice and parable and metaphor to your fears, your shame your rage yeah you know Mm. and in fact Mm. kids are some of the best dream workers there are 
because they don't have the box, the archetypal oh, boxes. I bet. I, they feel more connected to that world of imagery. That's right. And they'll ask, they ask wonderful questions. One of my favorite people to share my dreams with, course appropriate dreams, age appropriate dreams, is uh, is my daughter, who helps me unlock wisdom from my dreams in a way that uh, just stuns me. And her dreams actually have been amazing. They've her dreams have actually helped her with state testing. Wow, isn't that amazing? Yeah, huh. It's there if we seek it's it. It's there if we seek it. You got it. Mm. Well, I want you to tell tell us about that dream with the pastor. And then I've got um, a final question for you because now I imagine people are saying, okay, I want this. <laughs> How do I do it? <laughs> Absolutely. So the dream with the pastor was she was on a speedboat her children and her husband were in the back of the speedboat, but the speedboat was being driven by an adolescent boy with a maniacal smile. And it was going so fast. Mm. And as she's describing the, the dream, she said, and I could feel in my body that we're going too fast. And then all at once we're in a car mm. and I'm in the passenger seat and my kids are in the back seat. And again, it's the same adolescent boy who's driving this car so fast. And I know this is scaring all of us, all of our faces, my kids, my husband, our faces, whether in the boat or in the car, is fear. And so she said, I just can't get over the, the look on the boy's face. And so we took that into... we did some dream work. So one of my favorite questions to ask a, about a dream is this, where are you feeling or saying or experiencing this in waking life? Hmm. So I asked her, where are you feeling in your body that we're going too fast in waking life? Hmm. And she knew immediately she said, strangely enough, it's during our downtime. During the time which mm. it should be restful, we're go, go, go. We're not able to rest in the times of, of what should be restful. And so as we mm. went into listening prayer with that, the Spirit of God showed her how to slow down rather than even have her times, her family's time of restfulness, not reflect more the frenetic, frantic pace of culture and, and of ministry culture. How could it be a restful time for all of them? And so that led into some beautiful conversation and insight on her behalf and on behalf of her whole family. Yeah. And that you never would have guessed otherwise if you would have taken it literally. Right, right. And like she, what she realized is, this this adolescent boy has no business driving the boat or the car. I need to take the wheel. Mm. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, this is not the part. Hmm. He's not driving the way he has no business driving and he's not driving the way that I want to be driven. Right. The way usually a vehicle is the way yeah. that we're moving through life. I don't want to move through life this way at this fast of speed, this clip. Mm. Yeah. 
Wow. So tell us how how we can begin doing dream work. And um, with that, I have a couple of questions because I know many people listening, especially with this theme of pilgrimage, might be discerning direction. Um, so I wonder about that as well as um, can you speak into your dreams? Is there a question I've heard kind of theories about that that you could pose to try to find answers in your dreams even before you go Absolutely. into the dream. Sure. And then um, I wonder about people too who don't dream, who are coveting what you say and yet feel like they don't dream or can't remember their dreams. Okay, well, let's start there. The person who says that they don't dream or remember their dreams is that we all dream. Uh, and I had a person who came to, I did a dream retreat this past uh, year in June. And a person signed up to come who said, I don't remember any of my dreams. Maybe I remember a dream from when I was a little kid, but I just, I must not dream. So I figured I would sign up for this retreat and maybe mm. it would help me remember my dreams. And I said, sometimes that's all it takes is to have a desire hmm. to remember your dream. You can even turn that into a prayer. Is, yeah. is God help me? give me a dream, help me to remember that dream. And I said, I wouldn't be surprised if you have a dream tonight. And in the morning, she was so excited because she'd had mm. a dream. And she said, it had been since she was a little kid. Mm. She said, and I can mm. remember it in detail. Wow. And it was so, this dream was, wow. was so instrumental to her. She was ready to sign up to go get training, a two-year training at Hayden Institute. <laughs> And I said, how about we just start with, wow. with remembering uh, your dreams and doing some dream work for the next year. And then you can decide, <laughs> uh -huh. then you can decide, mm -hmm. you know, just mm -hmm. like for those who seek to, who mm. um, are really interested in, in spiritual direction and being certified in that first have a spiritual director and journey mm. in spiritual direction. So I'd say, mm -hmm. take that journey, that pilgrimage into your dream world into dream work for a while. Yeah. And so mm -hmm. certainly you can ask, this can be part of your prayer before bed. And it's always good. I mean, this, this reminds us to offer ourselves, to offer our soul hospitality rather than um, watching a action packed film right up to the point that we fall asleep. Maybe we do something mm -hmm. that uh, is kinder helps the body and the, the mind and the soul to enter into sleep. Um, and so creates that space mm -hmm. as we enter into sleep. There are some people who say, and I've done mm -hmm. this as well, that you can have a dream intention that you can, one thing, um, mm -hmm. is you can write that down and you can literally sleep on it, you know, put it under your pillow. Yeah. And so play with that. Play with that idea. Okay. And what happens when people wake up? So when people wake up, first just before you spring out of bed, first acknowledge that you've had a dream and just lay there and see if you can recall it. Recall the feeling, the dominant emotion of it, maybe the colors. You know, for some people, once they their foot hits the the floor, it's they forget the dream. 
So if you're one of those people, I'd I'd keep a journal mm-hmm. right by your bedside to where you can you can write that down before you get out of bed. And I wouldn't I, I'm not too concerned yeah. as to the amount of detail. So some people will come and say, Oh, I don't remember all of my dreams. So it must not, I, I probably should just throw that one out and I'll say, no, no, no. If you can remember the dominant feeling or Mm -hmm. even one image or symbol, just start there. I remember my dream mentor uh, would say, catch the tail and follow it to the mouse. (laughs) (laughs) So I, and for me, because I am, I can have a perfectionistic bent and, I actually needed to write in my journal dream fragments from last night. Yeah. Huh. Mm-hmm. And then I just wrote a few fragments. And it's amazing once pen hits paper, the details you start remembering. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing to do is notice that you have a dream. And then write it down or verbally share it. Because the closer you are to the time of having the dream, the more you're probably going to remember of it. Hmm, hmm. And if you do keep a dream journal, what I like to do is I like to write the dream in the middle of the page, leaving quite a bit of margin around the dream so that I can write little notes of association or put little sketches yeah. or, you know, this this character reminds me of this person in waking life or this part of myself, you know, mm-hmm. because again, even if I, let's say I dream of, um, my husband shows up in my dream. My literal first thought is to think it's my husband and it could mm. be, but it could also be a part of myself that is perfectly represented by my husband. Yeah. Right. So those little associations and sketches in the margins. And then a a very quick way of dream work is to is to simply give the dream a title. Mm-hmm. You'll be surprised how revealing a title is. Yeah, what it distills. Yeah, that's exactly right. I've heard people give titles to dreams that I wouldn't have entitled that dream. But mm. that that wow. title then ends up revealing quite a bit of, of yeah. what the, the dream could be conveying. So it seems like write down the dream, make some associations, just some open curiosity mm-hmm. around there you go. it. Be curious. Walk around it. Titling. Uh-huh. And then and then reflect on that dream and ask, where am I experiencing feeling or saying? this in waking life. Hmm. 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 Because wh- how you answer that can either lead you to further questions or shape your prayer, which I want to say that the practice of dream work itself is a way of prayer. Yeah. Because you're puzzling over um, something that's being offered to you from the giver of the dream. Mm-hmm. But it can further be offer um, material um, for your other ways of prayer. Yeah. And then, wow. of, 
And then, of course, since we're talking about wisdom, is to reflect on, pray about what's what's my next step? How can I honor the wisdom yeah. being offered by this dream? How can I bring it into waking life mm-hmm. in a in a good way? What's it asking me? What's it asking of me? Well, thank you so much, Casey. This has been so helpful, and I and I'm sure others are looking forward to really digging into that world and seeing what it reveals. Oh, and I feel like I've just scratched the surface. <laughs> I know. Let's keep going. We'll, we'll go to sleep and then we'll wake up and we'll meet That's again. Right. Huh? There's so much more I could say about dreams. <laughs> That's why you've got to write the book. This is true. This is true. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, I'm the first one to buy it if you do it or oh. do an online course or something. I am in. Well, thank you. And I am going to be offering an online DreamWork group in 2019. Oh, well, so. perfect. We'll be sure to share your website in the show notes so people can sign up to follow along. Sounds wonderful. these final questions are ones I like to ask everyone. So um, you just answer with the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. If you were going on a pilgrimage, where would you go next? Well, I've had my eye on poet David White's walking tours. He takes, he takes walking tours in Ireland and England, Italy, or France. And I find myself, wow. yes, I find myself going to his website quite often uh-huh. to see what those are. So uh-huh. that's what comes to mind. That would be amazing. And feels so. connected to your draw toward dream work and metaphor as well, because poetry is that distilled language of the soul. Oh, a beautiful a connection. Yes, Absolutely. Yeah, I love his work. He lives um, up near near me. Yes, he does. In Washington. So I get to hear him from time to time. Okay, well, what kind of journey are you on in your everyday life? Well, hearkening back to my tendency toward workaholism, I'd say my present journey is about relationship. Mm. You know, that with God, I... And practicing centering prayer where it's not about my working or doing. Um, With my husband and kids, it's about the sacred rhythm of day in, day out life together. And also what comes to mind is most recently, I've recognized I have a longing to be in community with other contemplatives and dreamers. And that after 10 years of living Mm -hmm. in this area... There's a little community of people and I want to cultivate those relationships instead of just see people at silent retreats or classes that I'm teaching or groups I'm facilitating. So I've, I've introduced that idea or I've in the past week, I've begun to introduce that idea to some of the dreamers and contemplatives about uh, regularly gathering and simply enjoying each other's presence. Yeah. Well, and I know dream work done in a group can especially be powerful. 
Oh, it absolutely is. And, you know, some of the people who began in my dream work groups, you know, eight years ago, um, became fast friends because there was something that, Mm. I mean, since dream, since the dream comes when we're by ourselves, it can be, um, a solitary experience or you may feel like you're just very strange. (laughs) And so to be around people who also are dreamers, there's a, there is a, a connection there. Yeah. A common journey. There is, there's a common journey. And in a group situation, you're getting multiple um, insights into your dream. So again, it goes back to parable where you're getting many layers of possible meaning that you may not have even seen before. Wow. Well, let me know, especially on that, um, if there are any final resources or practices uh, you'd like to recommend to people. And could you say also a bit about uh, listening prayer as well? I know you mentioned that throughout our conversation, that these dreams can lead us into listening prayer. So any books um, or other resources as well as practices like listening prayer? That is a great question. So listening prayer, um, listening prayer is we simply stop talking and telling God things and we get quiet and listen for what images, scriptures, directives, songs, whatever is stirring in us when we get out of our own way in a sense. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, when we give permission for our, our imagination to unfold and for the spirit to speak through these very natural ways. And so listening prayer is, is pretty simple. It's just that Mm. we don't live in a culture in which we do a lot of listening. We do a lot of advice giving and telling. We tend to do that Mm -hmm. to ourselves and our spiritual practices reflect that as well. And, And so instead we're invited we're invited to be still, be quiet, yeah, mm. and see what arises internally. So, yeah, and it seems like it's about being open and receptive. That's right. That's right. To recognize that the Spirit of God lives within you and so is speaking from within you. Mm. But until we pause, mm. We're not going to, we're going to miss what natural wisdom is there. What's being spoken to, you know, to yeah. and for us. Yeah. And I always suggest a particular book because it's experiential. Mm-hmm. If you're just getting into dream work um, or want to. So it kind of guides you through. Right. Absolutely. And it's called Unopened Letters from God. Mm. And it's from the founder of the Hayden Institute, Robert um, Hayden, Mm -hmm. Bob Hayden, unopened letters from God using biblical dreams to unlock nightly dreams. Well, and what a striking image too. Unopened letters from God. You know, if you've heard there are unopened letters from God out there. Rushing. Right. Well, that comes from the Talmud. 
to rip them open. You know, uh, from rabbinic Judaism, where they where mm. it said an uninterpreted dream is like throwing away an unopened letter from God. Hmm. Well, thank you so much, Casey. We will all be opening our letters tomorrow morning. <laughs> I would say. Um, and can you share your website here as well, so we can make sure um, everyone can follow follow your work with dreams. It's kh spiritualdirection.com. Perfect. So KH for Casey Hit, spiritualdirection.com. Awesome. Well, can you send us with a benediction? I would love to. You know, I have a little piece of cloth that I wrote the words from Psalm 16, 7 on it. And I place that in between my pillow Mm. and pillowcase so I can literally sleep on it at night. So. Oh, I love that. So may you receive this scripture as a prayer of thanksgiving for the God who offers us guidance in our waking and in our sleeping hours. Said the psalmist, I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also, my heart instructs me. Amen. Thanks for joining with us today. Find episode notes and sign up to receive updates and a free pilgrim guide at a sacredjourney.net slash podcast and subscribe to Pilgrim Podcasts through Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a thing. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd be grateful if you leave a review on iTunes or the Apple Podcast app. When you leave a review, it helps other seekers just like you find Pilgrim Podcast. To find out how to leave a review, visit a sacredjourney.net slash podcast. I'll be back again next month with another conversation on practicing pilgrimage at home and abroad. Until then, blessings on the journey.